This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And folks, we have some very exciting personal news to discuss on the show today. Not personal to any of us, personal for one. Mr. Jonathan Huberdeau, who as of this past Tuesday night's game against the Montreal Canadiens, has set a new career high for points in a season. He now has 93 points, beating his previous career high of 92, set in the 18-19 season. Of course, the major difference there being that he hit 92 points in 82 games. Uh, and there are still 16 games left in the season that he has 93 points in. And I do want to point out that it's nice that... uh we were born in 1993, and he's got 93 points. You and me, Jake, we were born. And in Jonathan Huberdeau. That's true. My brother David. That is true. <laughs> that would be more fun if he was going to end the season with 93 points, I think. Well, But he's no. on pace for 115. Knock on wood that he has more points left in him and then save some <laughs> for the playoffs. <laughs> How crazy would that be if he just slumps the rest of the season? Zero points in 16 games. Honestly, I'd be fine with that as long as game one of the right of the playoffs is, you know, him putting up a four spot and that you know continues all the way to a con smite. Like mm, Barkov. I, I'm just saying, like I it doesn't matter. Like, I don't no. care who wins the con smith as long as it is a, a Panther. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I was more trying to just get to my overall point, which I wanted to mention at some point in this pod. Like, nothing really matters the rest of the season other than staying healthy. Um, I kind of disagree with that. I do too. We'll talk okay. about that later. I think later we'll, though. we'll talk about I, that later. Uh, okay. Yeah, we've got a, like a whole segment on it <laughs> that we're gonna do. So we'll we'll talk about it then. But um, did want to point out. And I, I can't believe I didn't think of this, that when we were talking about, you know, uh, is there a record that Huberto is going to break other than the left wing assists in a season record, which we both kind of agreed. Cool for Huberto, but it kind of kind of a stupid record. We don't really care. But yeah, this one like is most... this one is more relevant. He's going to shatter the Panthers points in a season record, which is currently 96. So we only need three more to tie it and four yeah. more to pass it. And as you said, he has 16 games to do it. So He's going to smash that record and will almost definitely be the first Florida Panther to have an 100-point season. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Burry, for all of his goals, did not pass the puck, shockingly enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised because none of those other guys could put it into the net nearly as well as he could. You those know, it's that's brutal also teams. fair. Those were some brutal teams. Wasn't Barkov on pace for 100 
He probably was and then missed, and then missed a week or something. No, in the in the, oh, the, in the short year. season. I could be wrong about that. But Maybe last sure. year he was the 50 game season last year, but the one two years ago, he definitely not. The one that was COVID short and that ended in the bubble, definitely not because he was slumping towards the end of the season. Huberto Remember he had that knee injury for Huberto was on pace for 93 points uh that season. Yeah, but Barkov definitely wasn't. He was slumping at the end of that 1920 season. Well, now I need to check. I I feel like he was on pace for 100. I could be wrong, but... I'm 100% certain on this, because remember he had that knee injury that no one would talk about? Oh, yeah, no, 62 points in 66 games. He he wasn't even pacing for, like, 80 points, let alone 100. Slumping for Alexander Barkov is... He is is the holder of that 96-point season, though, in 1890. Yes. Yes, he is. He's got 66 and 53 this year. With, with If he played 82, he would definitely be hitting 100, but that's not going to happen. So it's yeah. not gonna, he's not going to hit 100 unless he really gets hot here at the end of the regular season, which I... Which, like, know, what a great time for Barkov to get hot. You know, I mean, McDavid did it last year. He yeah. had a pretty similar stretch to what he would need. Yeah, but like the Oilers. It's true. true. I'm saying I want Barkov to get hot now because I wanted to carry into the playoffs. True. So let's not compare him to the Oilers. But yeah, That's worth bad. noting that who, what Huberto is doing, even though I don't think he should be the Hart Trophy winner, but it would be pretty funny if he won it. In all honesty, yeah, like that's the one reason you should want him to win it. I agree, he shouldn't. If you take the Hart by the letter of the player most valuable to his team, that is not Jonathan Huberto for the Panthers. That's Igor Shosturkin. It is Igor. But yeah, like, I agree. With Huberto, Huberto isn't even the most valuable Panther. I agree. Uh, I but think that's he's a been different argument for a different day. But I think all three of us are kind of on the same page with that. So like Lucas Carlson, we are not going to argue. Yeah, about it's that. Lucas Carlson. I mean, oh, totally. This this season, unfortunately, <laughs> he will be. And I say unfortunately because the reason he's going to be the most valuable is he's going to play way more games than Barkov or Ekblad, unless he gets hurt and Barkov doesn't. Towards right. the end of the year, you know, but then none of them are winning the heart. Yeah, none of them are winning the heart if uh, Huberto so gets what, hurt. So what I was saying though is that you should want Huberto to win the heart, even if he doesn't necessarily deserve it by the letter of what the heart is. Uh, mostly just to spite Leafs fans. <laughs> Although yeah. he would be spiting Rangers fans primarily. Well, at least according to uh, us, it doesn't really seem nah. like Shesterkin is the front runner. No, well, it's Ma- Matthews. I mean, no, right, Matthews is deserving. Matthews yeah, is yeah. deserving, yeah. Yes, he is. But it would be funny for Jonathan Huberto to steal that from Toronto. I think there's like five or six legitimately deserving players, like Gaudreau on Calgary would be another. Well, um, well let's back let's back up for one second, not to cut you off, TJ. I know I yeah, am. Yeah, go ahead. But like, if we're going to knock Hart, um, Huberto for saying, hey, it's most valuable to your team, because, uh, you know, Huberto's got Barkov, Ekblad, and all the other Panther players we all know, like you kind of have to do the same thing for McDavid, who's got dry subtle. You got to do the same thing for Matthews. Who's got um, Warner Tavares, Nylander. Yeah. Um, Morgan Riley. Yeah. Morgan Riley, Jack Campbell, the first half of the season. Like, it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just kind of BS to say like, Oh, you know, Huberto is not the, not the most valuable player to his team, but then give it to Austin Matthews. Right. That's why I think it should be Igor. I agree. Like the way that I like to look at the heart by the letter is where would that team be without them? The Rangers would be floundering without Igor. Yeah. Yeah. The other teams, 
Uh, yeah, I could actually see Gaudreau. Like the Flames would, would maybe would be in a tougher spot without Gaudreau also. I think the Leafs would be in a tougher spot without Matthews than the Flames would be without Gaudreau. You think so? Yes, because I think the, the Leafs are really counting upon his goals. And he's got 49 right now, so that's, that's a lot. lot. That's, that's a fair. lot. Yeah, he's, he's probably going to hit 60. Which would be the first time since... Uh, did Stamkos did it? Stamkos? Did it? Yeah, Stamkos did it, I want to say, Ovi has to 12 or something. Ovi and Stamkos have both done it once. I know. Um, Burray got close with the Panthers, but it was 58-59. I'm going that... to look at the Rocket Richard winners. Stamkos did it in 11-12. Oh, cool. I nailed that. Uh, and Ovi did it in 07-08. And if I remember right, Stamkos' 60th goal was an empty netter against the Panthers that clinched the third overall pick, which became Jonathan Hoopbell. Hey, so thanks, Stephen Stamkos' Rocket Richard's 60th goal. Because so wait, was it 11-12 or, or was it 10-11? It was 11-12. 11-12, the Panthers made the playoffs, and the Lightning didn't, by the way, which I was thinking, like, okay. that's crazy. The Lightning didn't make the playoffs, and Stamkos had 60 goals. Then I'm thinking of the wrong season, because I remember a Stamkos yeah. and yes, Netter. Yeah, no, it was Stam- – Stamkos was a, won yeah, the Rocker Richard with 60 goals in the 11-12 season. Yeah, 2011 was when Jonathan Huberto was drafted. Which I believe the 11-12 draft – was that the Matheson draft? Yeah. No, no. Well, if it's the one the Panthers went to the playoffs. Oh, the 2012 yeah. draft, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The one after that season. That was yeah. that was first You're overall right. Nail Yakupov. Yeah. Oh. That was that was the Griffin Reinhardt draft, I think. It was. Oh my god. The 2012 what a, draft what a, was a fucking disaster. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, Matheson was one of the best right. picks, considering he was like what 27 Dale Town like that. <laughs> this is what I remember from that draft afterwards. It was Burke, right? Who was the GM of the Leafs at that time? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was so. Brian Burke, I think. And he come or Dave Nonis, whoever it was after drafting Morgan Riley at eight. They're like, Oh, we had you know, we had him number one on the board. We got the best player in the draft at number eight, and the whole hockey world laughed at him. I guess he was right. Uh, I think uh, he not was quite, right. not quite. Let's let's go down round one of the 2012 draft real quick. First overall, Nail Yakupov to Edmonton. Second overall, Ryan Murray to Columbus. Third overall, Alex Galchenyuk to Montreal. Fourth overall, Ouch. Griffin Reinhardt to the Islanders. So first of all, your top four, probably the worst top four in NHL history. Yeah. Gotta yeah, be. the only one of those guys that's even still in the NHL is Ryan I Murray. He doesn't have a contract for next he's a, year. He's like a fourth. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he is. Neither of those guys have a contract next year, uh, though. Then so. you get that like after the fourth overall pick is when you get into actual good NHL players because then you get Morgan Riley, uh, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, Derek Pouliot, uh, Jacob Truba, Slater Cuckoo at 11th. Derek Pouliot, not a good NHL. At 11th player. overall, you get Philip Forsberg. Uh, yeah, there you go. Mikhail that's the Grigorenko. R- nope, not quite. Radic Faxa, uh, 14th overall, you have noted all-star Zemus Gergensen, uh, Cody Cece, Tom Wilson, Tomas Hurdle, Tevu Teravainen, and 19th overall in the 2012 NHL entry draft, the actual best player in the 2012 entry draft, Andre Vasilevsky. Ooh, almost traded to the Panthers for Sasha Barkov, Andre Vasilevsky. What? Yeah, you wow. don't remember that story that came no. out? That came out recently. I've never heard this. That before. when uh, Panthers were picking number two overall, Lightning were trying to jump from four to two, and the sticking point for the Panthers was Vasilevsky. 
They wanted Vassy as part of the deal. Tampa said oh, no. So, uh, so the Panthers were trying to get him, but the Lightning said no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Lightning I mean, still kind of funny, but. I mean, it's yeah. funny. It... I wouldn't quite say that we almost traded Barkov for Vasilevsky. We almost, we tried to trade the pick that became Barkov for Vasilevsky and Tampa was like, nah. no, no. Tampa was the one. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Tampa yeah. said no <laughs> to including Vasilevsky in the deal and that <laughs> fell apart. So the Panthers took Barkov. Tampa ended up with Drouin, which they turned into Mike uh, Sergachev. And I think the Panthers won out in that, that exchange as good as Vasilevsky is. Alex, can you try to find the source for that? Because I, I, I want so, to put this on. clip on Tampa YouTube. Also, I think this would be a good Tampa clip for Tampa got YouTube. that pick from Detroit, and I'm very curious to know what that trade looked like. The Detroit Red Wings' first-round pick went to the Tampa Bay Lightning as a result of a trade on February 21st, 2012 that sent Kyle Quincy to Detroit. Oh man! The Red Wings traded Ken Kyle Holland Quincy is, for the pick that Ken Holland Andre should be in the Hague. <laughs> he should be in the Hague. That's brutal. Oh goodness, that is brutal. Uh, anyway, just to round out the draft, uh, Scott Lawton, Mark Jankowski, Oli Mata. Then at twenty third overall, we have uh, Mike Matheson, uh, followed by Malcolm Subban, Jordan Schmaltz, Brendan Gauntz, Henrik Samuelson, Brady Shea, Stefan Mateo, and Tanner Pearson. So yeah, sweet spot there is like that ten to twenty range. That's all. Forsberg, Wilson, Hurdle, Teravainen, and Vasilevsky. There's actually another Panthers link to Vasilevsky. I didn't find the thing you were looking for, TJ, but the uh, the trade trade the trade tree of Dan Boyle leads to Andre Vasilevsky becoming a uh, becoming a Lightning player, player. which is ironic because today is the anniversary of Dan Boyle signing with the Florida Panthers as an undrafted free agent and then eventually being traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning for, drumroll please, a fifth-round draft pick. Okay. Good job. I'm not done with the 2012 draft because although this was one of the worst first rounds in history, this might be one of the best third rounds in history. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to read the entire third round. I'm Thank just God. going to throw some names out there. Uh, Jonas Corpusello. Yeah. Um, Adam Pellick. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, like Essa Lindell. Chris Drieger. Chandler Stevenson. Can I throw something out Shane there? Shane Gostas Bear. Wait, Matt wait, wait. There's Murray. more Real quick list. about Essa Lindell. I'm pretty sure that yesterday I was watching the Ducks play the Stars, and I think the Ducks color commentator called him Anton Lindell. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yes, with Gostas Bear, Matt Murray, Matt Greslick, Colton Pareko, Freddie Anderson. Big Matt. Gres- That's got to be one of the best third rounds in history. I totally agree. Big, big Matt Grizzlick guy right here. Big Matt Grizzlick guy. Matt Grizzlick popped onto my radar. I was trying to develop my own uh, impact metric in like 2018. Uh, and Matt Grizzlick shattered all the defensive numbers for it. I had no idea who this guy was at the time. He just showed up on the top of all of the defensive rankings that I was trying to come up with. And from that point on, I have loved him. And I'm so happy that over the past couple of years, he's gotten some fucking respect. <laughs> it was like, I had that for you. Yet, yet another good Bruins player that is disrespected in their market for some reason. Usually it's the opposite that they like. I would assume it's because people have trouble spelling his last name. <laughs> It's also because he's small and doesn't have a lot of grit. Yeah, that's also true. Um, uh, also from nine, Jesus. Also from that draft, not that he's a star, but he was a big deal at the for a time. Jimmy Vesey <sighs> in that third round. 
Oh, I very explicitly decided to not say that name. I was wondering why you skipped that name. <laughs> because he's not that good. But I'm trying to go over quality of. I know that like four years after this draft, Jimmy VC was the name on everyone's lips. But <laughs> four four hundred four hundred NHL games out of a third rounder is good, regardless of if he lived up to all that, you know, post draft college free agent hype. Wow, you guys aren't going to believe this. Also drafted in the fourth round of the 2012 draft from Frolunda, Eric Carlson. Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> different, different Eric Carlson. This one was drafted the Carolina Hurricanes that I don't think he ever actually saw any. Oh, you brought up something that I did want to talk about for a second here. Not really a whole lot that we can say about Eric Carlson? it. No, no, no. The, with Jimmy VC being college free agent, <laughs> I remembered uh, God, Connor Hellebuck in the, the Bobby Trevino sweepstakes that the Panthers right. are apparently involved in. Now, normally I wouldn't really want to say like, oh, you know, college free agent until they're signed, of course, in which case they become a big deal. But uh, Bobby Trevino apparently has the Panthers on his list of four finalists to sign him as a college free agent. One of the best players of the NCAA last year. Uh, 20 goals in 37 games and 49 total points. You'll you'll take that. He is 23 years old, so you're probably not getting a guy that's ever going to become a first-line winger. But like I said on Twitter, the Panthers have traded so many prospects, so many draft picks. You have to find a way to restock the cupboard. And a guy like this is just another dart to throw at the, at the board. Right. And he could become a solid NHL or he could become nothing. He could be kind of in between, or he like could Jimmy become VC. draft capital. Yeah, or he could become something you use in a trade. So that's something to look out for. Uh, Trevino apparently had uh, the Panthers. I think it was Nashville and the two New York teams were the other three finalists. Is he from New York? Yep, he sure is. <laughs> so he's going to be a Ranger. Probably not. He's not Adam Fox. Although, like, he doesn't have that level. What of I was thinking about it, like, as a college free agent, you know, even though you could sign with Florida and you're you're on a winning team, you don't really have a lineup spot assured. Like, how are you going to crack this Panthers lineup? It's really, really stupid deep. Well, so Marchment's out after this season. Achari's out. Achari's out. I would imagine that Zito's going to try to trade Hornquist. Yeah, I, I mean, Hornquist. A few, a few forward spots are going to open. Hornquist got to go. Like, if he doesn't get rid of Hornquist, that's the dereliction of duty, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I'm but very I sad that Marchment probably is not going to be a Panther after this year because, like, I've been singing his praises. He's all had season. a phenomenal year. There's, he is, he's he getting had, four he's by had four too minimum. good of a year. You know where he's going to end up. You know who I guarantee you is going to sign that deal because of the type of player that Mason March. Philadelphia. Ooh, Amarillo. I didn't hear either one of you. Lou Lamarillo. Alex is correct. Oh, I would love him Mason on the Mason Marchman's a fucking Lou Lamarillo. I would love player. him on the island. Oh, for that sure. Would be great. Actually, you know what? Did Lamarillo draft him? He might to have. Toronto? Kyle Dubas signed did. him as an undrafted free agent. Oh, then oh. never mind. He, he was undrafted? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he he he, a, he he had never had a point per game season at any level of hockey until this until year. now, yeah, somehow in the NHL until <laughs> playing with Anton Lundell and Sam Reinhart. I good yeah. for you, buddy. Yeah, fantasy camp right there. Yeah, he needs he's he's gonna get his four by four. Yeah, he won't Lamarillo live up to the contract, to him and he's gonna flounder. He won't, I don't think he'll flounder, but he, he won't, won't live up no. to the contract. He's not. He's gonna, he's, he'll never. I, I doubt he ever has like a sixty point season. 
No, he's going to get four by four or more and going into year three, get bought out of that contract because. And it's going to be fine because what's going to happen is we'll just replace him with Ryan Lomberg. Yes. Who was resigned and and is signed for next year. And Lomberg. No, so Lomberg takes Marchman's space and Schwinn takes Lomberg's space. There you go. That's, that's how this offseason, I'm going to dedicate some like really stupid and navel gazely like segment to maybe the Panthers should trade Sam Bennett because Cole Schwint should be the three C and <laughs> Anton Lindell should be the two C. Let's wait until the offseason though to cross that bridge. And, you know, maybe, maybe you put together a Leon Dreisaitl trade package when the Oilers get swept in round one and they, they no got to change space. up the mix. Woof. With I'm gonna I'm gonna push that narrative unless Edmonton has a successful playoff run, which I don't think is going to happen. So watch the space. Anyway, uh, let let's touch on the week of games that was, and uh, we'll also focus on the trade deck deadline acquisitions and how they performed. Three wins for the Panthers in the four games. I mean, they won the games against the three easier opponents and lost the game against the hardest opponent. So it's kind of a wash to be completely honest, but the schedule that the Panthers have going forward is so easy that really all they got to do is just beat the bad teams that they play consistently and they'll be completely fine. We'll talk about, you know, where we want them to finish in the standings a little bit later, but um, the loss to the Maple Leafs was the only uh, negative result of the week. Claude Giroux, four points in his first two games, but I don't think he got on the score sheet against the Leafs. No, he did Gerard not. He, Hague, he, didn't, he didn't have a shot on goal against the Leafs. But he did get on the score sheet last night. Yeah. And uh, Sherratt did as well last night. Hay got an assist against the Canadians, but, uh, you know, he hasn't had a point since, but also, like, Robert Hague's not going to get points for you. That's not the kind of defenseman that he is. I guess we'll start with him because there's the least to say about him, so we can just get it out of the way. I've been pretty happy with what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, he's from been him. fine. I, yeah, pleasant surprise. Yeah, there's really Thanks, not a Buffalo. whole lot to say. I, like he he just does pretty much everything that you need him to at an NHL level. And you know, I don't necessarily think he's an upgrade on Lucas Carlson, but he's he's not a significant downgrade. So you can't really complain about it. Yeah, there's no reason to be complaining about the Robert Haig acquisition. Yeah, That's I'm not going to miss the sixth round pick. That's that's gonna be the sneak the sneaky you know, the sneaky move of the, the deadline. Panthers and rehabilitating Buffalo Sabres defensemen name a more iconic duo. But yeah, Nick so. Montour, Egg. Been- we should have traded for Ristolainen. <laughs> no, we shouldn't have. <laughs> that's a bridge too far. Yeah, but I I agree with you. I've been very happy with Haig so far. Um, I'll, I'll even say that he's been better than Sherratt, but that's not saying too much. Do we want to talk about Sherrod next or should That's we go to yeah, the yeah. segue? Yeah, there's the job, Alex. <laughs> Sherrod's kind of been what we, the three of us, expected. Yeah. He he's not pretty, good defensively. He pretty ass. <laughs> he's not yeah. good defensively at all. My, my sticking point with what I've seen from him is like it's, it's explicitly not what was advertised. We've seen moments where he's near the puck carrier. Sometimes he's even like between the puck carrier and the net and the puck still goes in the net. Like everybody says, Oh, Ben Sherratt, you know, he's going to, 
tie up somebody at the net. He's going to block shots. Well, we haven't seen him do that. Instead, he's going to miss assignments and be the cause of high danger chances against. And get lost on the play. Like, this is exactly what we were Fall told behind the offense he never on the rush does. Too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, his slow skating, I think, is just going to be a concern. We can talk about, like, he'll get integrated into the system. Some of this stuff, you know, the Panthers play kind of a unorthodox five-on-five defensive system. He'll probably get assimilated into that and he'll play better five on five, but the penalty kill stuff, I don't think there's anything funky about the way the Panthers kill penalties. He's just got to be better there. Yep. And the skating speed, that's not going to get any better. He's not going to be a better skater by the time the playoffs come around. So the one saving grace, or I guess there's two because he'll get assimilated into the system. And also I don't think he's going to be playing first pairing. I mean, it's possible that they put him with Ekblad when Ekblad gets back and that's the first pairing, but I, I yeah, mean, you know what? That actually is that is possible, and that wouldn't be so. May, like maybe that makes Sherrod look better. Like let's not lose sight of the fact that Ekblad got hurt before Sherrod joined the team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we never got to see the Ekblad Sherrod pairing right. that was seemingly planned. Right. I mean, Ekblad's better than Shea Weber, and Shea Weber played pretty well with Ben Sherrod. Right. That's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking is that Ekblad's a floater. We know this. He he plays more of a four F than. Or I guess not necessarily more of a 4F, but At he's, just, like he's a 4F. just as much a 4F as he has a 1D. So I, I think Ekblad can compensate for a lot of Sherrod's shortcomings on both ends. Mm-hmm. So. We saw for a little bit at the, in the Canadians game, the reunion of uh, Uyghur and Forsling, which yeah. I would like to them for them to just continue that. Like I think I've seen enough of Sherrod and Uyghur. Both of them have not really like suited each other's playing styles. Now, you know, if you have a lead in one of these games against, you know, the many cupcake opponents that are coming up for the Panthers, you could probably try them again, you know, just get a little bit more of a sample size and, you know, maybe they turn it around. We saw what happened with Sam Reinhardt at the beginning of the year. It got much better as the year went along, but you know, who knows is really all I can say, like, but, but so far, not so good. Yeah. The, like you said, the good thing is the Panthers are very comfortably in the playoffs. They're just, just, do they, how, how hard do they want to fight for the president's trophy or first in the East? And you can experiment, you can try, you know, you, you can try Montour and, and Sharon, you can try Gudis and try, you can try all of these different combinations. The only thing you can't try is pairings with Ekblad because he's out the rest of the regular season. But now is the time to be experimenting. Now it's trying to be trying things like the five-man power play, which I want to spend some time talking about. Sherrod hasn't. Sherrod hasn't been good. Okay. Let's let's talk about uh, uh, Claude, Claude Giroux. Giroux before we go on to the power play. Okay. Yeah. And I'll and I'll start us off. Yeah, he's a perfect fit for this goddamn team. He fits perfectly. It's so nice. I mean, I do want to nitpick him a little bit just because you know. There have been some things. Uh, he hasn't scored a goal yet. Sorry, that, that's my. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's someone after me like, oh, Giroux hasn't scored a goal yet. And I'll just get the negative out of the way. I think when Giroux was brought in, he was told like, hey, Panthers, you play, we're, you know, we're going to be extremely aggressive. We're, we're moving the puck up ice. And his first couple of games, he was trying a lot of stretch passes when he was getting the puck on the boards rather than what the Panthers do. And if you've listened to Jack Hand talk about the Panthers from that podcast on, uh, you know, the podcast I'm talking about with, well, one with TJ when he came on with us and two when he was with, it was uh, the PDO cast. PDO cast, yeah. 
he talked a lot about how the Panthers, what makes them so lethal is how quickly they get the puck from the boards to the middle of the ice with speed. And that's done with short little touch passes. And Giroux's been trying to, you know, make long passes to the forward at the opposing blue line rather than get that touch pass to Barkov with speed. So once he assimilates to that part of the Panthers game, it's going to be unbelievable. And it's already really good. Like Drew just fits so well with what the Panthers want to do. And I know we all are agreement that faceoffs are overrated, but the fact that he wins 60 freaking percent of faceoffs, like that's a really nice weapon to have. I, I think that they, Panthers needed a guy that was first line, first power play capable that could really win faceoffs. For some reason, they just had such a problem winning power play faceoffs, which are even easier than five on five faceoffs. Yeah, because you just like, tie up and then pull, grab the puck. Yeah. And for some reason, they just couldn't win them. They were constantly losing that battle and then couldn't re enter the zone. And that's why, for the first half of the season, they had such a bad power play. Like if they if they had the puck in the zone and could you know throw it around to you know Huberto, Ekblad, Barkov, Reinhardt at the net, they were scoring. They had a lot of problems keeping the puck once the power play started, and if they lost the faceoff, they had problems getting it back into the zone. They switched to the two deep drop because they were doing the one deep drop for a lot of the year, yeah. and that helped things a lot but it still wasn't really resolved. You know, the face-offs being a major part of that. And now they're winning the face-offs. I mean, Giroux has been everything that he was advertised to be in terms of the face-offs. One thing I do want to say though, like he seems a little bit slow compared to the other players he's with. Like maybe that's just, he's overthinking (laughs) it it because he's 34 years old. He's not as fast as he used to be. Yeah. And I mean, that does have to be, you know, thought about that he's not going to be prime Claude Giroux he's not going to be able to drive play at that level but I do want to note to that end though that most of the major possession ratios he's over 70 percent he's over 70 percent Corsi he's over 70 percent Fenwick he's over 70 percent expected goals uh like granted he's been with the Panthers for four games and these are just his numbers with the Panthers but like for in these four games overall, he has been excellent. Yeah, I think when he was on the ice yesterday, the Panthers outshot the Canadians like 15 to 1. It was like 19 to 1, I think. Oh, 19 to 1. Said. Yeah, 19, it was like yeah, a 93% or 97% expected goals for. I'll get you exact numbers nuts. on this, but continue. But yeah, it's just been such a good fit. Like, and I called it January 10th before anyone you did. said Jerusalem. I owe you, a, I owe you the stick. January 10th. I said, hey, you know who would be a sneaky good acquisition for the Panthers? Claude fucking Giroux. And you know who's been a damn good acquisition so far? Claude fucking Giroux. Thank you, Claude Giroux, for deciding to come here and only here. Yeah, yeah. And thank you, Alex, for putting that out into the universe. Bill Zito clearly listens to the podcast. Because you know what? <laughs> And so does Andrew Burnett, because you know what? Andrew I doubt Burnett... it, because if he did, we probably wouldn't have been sure. <laughs> that's true. Well, Rick Dudley but, doesn't listen to the podcast. And that's the only reason that I don't think Bill Zito listens to our podcast. But you know who also listens to the podcast? Andrew Burnett, because you know what? The other thing we all talked about saying the Panthers should do, a five-forward power play. And what do they now do? A five-forward power play. That's true. You, Alex, that was also all you. <laughs> so maybe they just mute 
TJ and me somehow. Like, I don't know, TJ, do you send like the raw audio files to the to the to the team and they mute us and just listen well, to Alex? Well, you know what it is? Is you guys didn't play the game, so you're not hockey men. Ah, yeah. There it is. It. I had to play the you card. I, I did play the game once upon a time. I haven't in 18 years, um, but that's not the point. We're talking about NHL 22, right? I was a youth hockey all-star in Glencoe, Illinois. <laughs> that's how so long to, ago this so was, to, it was Illinois. To be fair, in, if you were to talk it to an NHL personality or or front office person, they'd treat my experience the same as yours, Jacob. They yeah. don't give a shit. I, I, you were a national champion, though, like – it was roller hockey. They don't give a shit. Shut up. Stop it. Stop. You have, they, our listeners don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Most of them already do. Uh, you were still a collegiate hockey national championship, national champion, ir- irrespective of what surface the game was played on. This is true. This is true. Champion shit. That's what we're talking about right here. This is champion shit. And champions uh, trade for Claude Giroux. That's right. Well, hopefully. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Panthers have I've been getting ahead yet. of myself for weeks. All right. Do five forward power play real quick? Yes. Uh, I'll just give no, my thoughts. They didn't talk. listen to you on the formation. Now you can continue. No, they did because Barkov's the one at the top. But here's the important thing. that They kind of rendered later on, though, so I can't really complain too much about it. Giroud doesn't work on the right. Like, he's never been on the right. That's not going to no, work. He, he needs he's to be, be on the, the left. Spot. He's but be they've the done left. that. They've done that. They've done some swapping where Huberto goes to the right and Giroux goes to the left. Um, it started out a little slow, but it's definitely gotten better. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you, can, you can track some pretty, like, what, what I'm trying to say is, like, points at the timeline where the Panthers' power play made a change that obviously improved it. And one of the things they did that obviously improved it was get a right-handed shot in the OB spot, which forces, which forces Huberto to move over to the right. And they did this with Reinhardt for a little bit. He scored that huge goal against Washington. They did this with Ekblad last year, and they tried it a little bit again. And they did eventually go away from it, but they changed it when the power play was getting really stagnant, and that really helped it. And, you know, another thing that they did was put Reinhardt in front of the net, and all of a sudden he has like 10 deflections on the power player the one like he batted in against he's by uh, far one of the best people in front of the net in terms of deflections like that hand-eye coordination is obscene one of the yeah it's absurd it's so good sam reinhardt sam reinhardt has 10 power play goals for florida this season sam reinhardt will more than likely break his career high for power play goals his previous high was 12 uh in 17 18 that's just power play though so the the even strength minutes are irrelevant Speaking of, oh, uh, no, just kidding. He has not quite broken his record for five on five points. Anything else he on has, the power play? It's almost getting third line minutes. Uh, Sam Reinhardt is only two points away from breaking his career high for points in a season. Getting third uh, line minutes, not bad. Anything else it. to say he on the power Mason play? Marchman a steak dinner. <laughs> Don't give up on it. Keep going with it. Yes. It's going to keep getting better. And then when Ekblad comes back, make your decision then in the playoffs. But this five-man unit should be the number one power play for the rest of the season, barring any injuries. I concur. Yeah, just until Ekblad gets back. And then, honestly, like, well, if it's clicking, okay. I wouldn't put Ekblad back on the Yeah, power do you put Ekblad on PP2 no. at that point? Yeah, no. absolutely. Yeah. I don't think so. No? He's I would put it. I would put Realistically, him on... you probably don't, but. 
I, I don't think Duclair is that vital on power play one. Like he's good for sure, but like. Ekblad's... Yeah, but you don't put Ekblad in front of the net. I mean, I know that's what Jack Hand was saying, put Ekblad near the net, but I don't know if I agree with that. It's interesting. Ekblad in a shooting position works. Yeah. And then he can cycle towards the wall if he's like on the half wall. But I think Ekblad does his best work in the spot that we're saying Giroux needs to be in. Exactly. That's so at that point, point, I think you're better off. But he's been better Ekblad as a quarterback. Both on PP2. He's, he's been better as a quarterback, though. Like he's noticeably improved as the season has gone along. If the Fair. five forward power play works, maybe I'm just being I, I think if the five forward power play works well, uh, and you then have the option for power play two to be like, Bennett, Verhage, fucking who else? I don't know. Marchman? Yeah, Bennett, Verhage, Verhage, Marchman, Uyghur, Ekblad. Yeah. You're on point, Ekblad and his... Well, Lundell uh, Lundell would be probably... Oh, Anton Lundell would come back for that, yeah. But, like, even so, like, if you can have PP2 with Uyghur Uyghur on point, Ekblad in a shooting position, Bennett in front of the net, and then Verhage and Lundell just, like, having fun, yeah, you do that, too. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, so... Sticking with special teams real quick, the penalty kill. I'm not sure we haven't why we haven't seen Robert Haig on it. Like, like we've talked about for the past few weeks or so, this is the point where they should be really trying things. Like they got Robert Haig. He's been good, even strength defensively. He had good penalty kill numbers in Buffalo. Play him on the penalty kill. Like, what do you realistically have to lose? If he does really badly, you can just take him off. And the standings, you know, risk that you have will be minimalized see the problem with putting robert haig on the penalty kill tj is he's only six two and ben sherrod is six three this is this is true well what do we want to go to next do, do we want to talk about the loss to toronto at all toronto I, I i don't know if there's really anything to react about like yeah it wasn't a good <laughs> performance but 82 game season well, that's the thing is it's like, hey, people over overreacting to Toronto, the Toronto loss, like second night of a back-to-back, 82-game season, third game. Yeah, of and I mean, nights. the Leafs like, were also on a back-to-back, but like they were they were in Canada the whole time. The Panthers were in Canada the whole time, but they don't live there, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's nothing you can extrapolate playoff expectations okay. based on because it's a sludge game. There's not going to be sludge games in the playoffs. That's what, that's what, what made me my point. It's like, hey, it's a sludge right. game. Who gives a shit? Yep. I mean, you know, not good, but... I forgot about it like the next morning I woke up and who cares? Well, here's the thing. The next morning, the Panthers were still first place in their division and in their conference. Comfortably first place in the division. Right. Oh, and yeah, let's talk about this now. Like, granted, now Carolina is starting to push back on the conference a little bit. But like the morning after that devastating loss to Toronto, the Panthers were still the leaders in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and at at this point, technically... Division technically Carolina right oh. now. Well, here technically let's... Carolina is the leader in the Eastern Conference right now. But, but we have a thing. game in hand. The Panthers have a game in hand, and Carolina is only ahead because they have more regulation wins. But like I said, the Panthers have the game in hand. Now, something kind of interesting about this, and uh, actually, before I, I go into it, let's talk about like the permutations of this. Panthers they have a six point lead on anybody in the Atlantic Division it would take a like pretty damn horrible end of the regular season for them, considering they have the easiest schedule of any Atlantic division playoff team for them to lose the Atlantic division. So really all that's in contention, in my opinion, is the top spot in the East. And right. what it could potentially mean is 
playing against the Washington Capitals for sure versus playing against one of Tampa, Boston, or Toronto, all of whom are tightly knit, right? And that's, against that's one another for seedings in the two, three, four in the Atlantic. There and are, if I may, between Tampa, Toronto, and Boston, three total points separating them, separating the top from the bottom. And I that think that is a scary grouping. And I think whoever that doesn't win the East is going to have to play one of those three teams. I think Washington's three points behind the Bruins, but they also have two more games played. That so is correct. It's, it's pretty safe to say that Washington is going to finish eighth. And we've yeah, talked and just, a little bit just about... Just to put that in perspective, with Tampa, Toronto, Boston being three points separating the three of them, uh, Washington is behind Pittsburgh by six points, which is the next closest team in the Metro. Like, it's not as compact of a division, the Metro. You want to play Washington. You do not want to have to deal with the Atlantic in the in the early rounds of the playoffs. I think this Bruins team is going to come into the playoffs as like one of the five or ten. I mean, if you get to ten, at that point it's meaningless. One of the five best teams. I, I would I would go that far to say that. Like they're Fair. elite defensively. They're getting the goaltending from Jeremy Swayman now, and you know he's a he's a young guy, so. He's developing on the fly and really showing out right now. Like been phenomenal for the past month. Uh, yesterday, them having a horrible showing against the Leafs aside, I don't know if that was him or if that was Olmar. But defensively, they're an elite team. They're the best defensive team in the league as far as the metrics go. And they, they haven't been getting that elite goaltender to go along with it. But oh, Jeremy Swayman's been pretty good. Yeah, Jeremy Swimmons at like a 940 save percentage over the last month or so. Yeah, over the last month, like we, we both listened to Puck Soup, we were already talking about it. Over the past month, he's been great, and that's why the Bruins have been great. But Jeremy Swimmons got a 920 on the season in 32 games. Yeah. You can't ignore that. Yeah, this is what I'm trying to say, though. Like going into the playoffs, that's a team that you should be scared of. Like we right. thought prior to, you know, this recent torrid stretch they've been on that they were just, oh, you know, the seventh seed, the Bruins, they're getting older. They're not the team they once were. No, it really doesn't look like that. They're looking Surprise, like... the Bruins are always the fucking Bruins, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and even if the Bruins take over one of the top two spots or top three spots in the Atlantic, the Leafs and the Bolts are going to fall into one of those spots then. Right. And no matter what, if you like, the Panthers should be doing everything in their power to win the conference so they don't have to deal with an Atlantic team early. Yeah, and if you're saying, oh, well, the Leafs are going to lose in the first round, do you want to be the team that loses to the Leafs in the first round? Because I don't. Right. Eventually, the Leafs will win a playoff series. Yeah. It's, it's not impossible for that improbable. to be this year. Yeah, that's going to be a, a Panthers-Leafs first-round matchup would be unstoppable for a force for some movable object. Uh, I think it would be two unstoppable forces against each other. That's not a – neither of these teams are immovable objects. <laughs> All of those games would finish seven to six. Like <laughs> another another thing that makes me not want to see that series is how much blue would be in the stands at FLA Live Arena if we if the yeah, Panthers played the Leafs in the first round. I don't think there's an, any potential opponent that presents that much of a risk of like away fans not necessarily taking over the arena, but like having a sizable presence because it definitely wasn't there for Tampa. I don't think it would be there for Boston. It definitely wouldn't be there for Washington. Yeah. Wow, you know what? Just to kind of give TJ some credit here, despite Jeremy Swayman's 920 in his 32 games, he ranks 39th in goal saved above expected 
which just goes to speak to how fucking strong that Bruins defense is. And he's just, he's been really good recently. Like we've been talking about, like he's, if you're getting that guy rather than the guy that he's been on average cumulatively throughout the season, that's a scary, scary team for the sake of comparison, Jeremy Swayman ranked 39 with a 1.08 goal saved above expected. Sergei Bobrovsky ranks 16th with an 8.01. All right. In first place is Igor Shesterkin with 33.57 goals saved expected. And now uh, a hot take. I think I would take either the Leafs or the Bruins against the Lightning. Like I, I would pick either of them if the Lightning were in the 2-3. Lightning. We've what I really want to see is the Leafs play the Bruins again, Carolina against Tampa. <laughs> I want I mean, to see Leafs lightning because we've never seen it. That's and a, because everybody would be like, Oh, you know, or, the you know what? Alternatively Boston, Tampa, because those two will beat each other down. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to just see Tampa in, end up in fourth and end up in the Metro side. Just. And then we would, would get Leafs versus Freddie Anderson. Potentially. Well, if the Leafs end up fourth, you mean? Fred, okay, yeah, yeah, if the Leafs are fourth and the Bruins play the Lightning, Freddie Anderson on the Hurricanes would be playing the Leafs. That would be, that would be fascinating. Oh, but yeah, that'd like, be so cute that either Frederick Anderson or the Toronto Maple Leafs would have to win a playoff series. <laughs> yeah, my money's on Frederick Anderson on that one. Oh yeah. So, I take to summarize the way that I'm thinking time. about this whole thing, though, like. Lightning, Bruins, and the Leafs, they're all top 10 possession, expected goals, et cetera, whatever teams. The Capitals are hanging around the middle of the league and all of those stats. They're basically weaker. The they're Atlantic weaker. is the most top heavy division in the NHL right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the Rangers who are like bottom six in the NHL, even though they've been a lot better since their deadline acquisitions, but yeah. sample size. I would like to see someone else have the responsibility of breaking Igor. I don't want to have to deal with him. Yeah, but I think I think the the, the Rangers are comfortably in the top three of the Metro. If I They're comfortably that. there. So are the Penguins. Everyone but Washington is comfortably. Carolina, New York, yeah. and the Penguins are going to be your top three in the if Metro. If Florida like, plays a Metro team up. in the first round, it's going to be the Capitals for sure. Like yeah. they, they stand pretty much no chance of playing any of the other there's, teams. There's in the first very round. little chance that Washington catches up to the top three. It would and have to be uh, that, that, that's to kind of go against what I had been saying for a lot of this year. And like the idea that nothing matters until the playoffs, well, you'd rather play the capitals. And I wouldn't be much. like this if they were the, if this was the lightning and, you know, they had experienced so much playoff success in the past few seasons, since this team hasn't won a playoff round since 1996, I want to have the best chance of winning at least one. Right. The cup is the ultimate goal. I'm not going to miss the force for the trees here, but. You know, if you get out of round one, you have a better chance of winning the cup. Hot take. And uh, apparently, as of right now, according to Money Puck, the Florida Panthers do have the best odds of winning the Stanley Cup. That's, that's not pretty surprising. dope. That's pretty dope. Especially with the Nathan McKinnon injury. Number one in five on five. Yeah. Corsi. You never, you never want to see a guy injured, but if McKinnon is out for any length of time, I will put real money on the Panthers to win the cup. Colorado, Colorado, Colorado injuries aren't going to influence my thinking on this. Now, if like Vasilevsky or Point gets hurt or like Matthews gets hurt or Bergeron gets hurt, that will influence my thinking. So you would, you assuming the Panthers make it to the, you think that the Panthers winning the cup over 
Colorado is more likely than the Panthers making it to the cup in the first place. No, I, I think that <laughs> if, you're yeah, focused on, if you're focused on the cup final opponents, <laughs> right now, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> you're, you're hoping the for West a- is terrible yeah. this year. But like Colorado probably still won't get to the finals. Like they're probably going to find a way to screw it's, it up. That's not, not because like Colorado or Calgary. Like let's let's just put that to bed. I don't see. I it. don't know. I mean, last year we would wouldn't I mean, have said that yeah, Montreal had a true. shot in hell. Maybe Minnesota squeaks in somehow. That would be kind of fun. I mean, if Vegas can get in and get Mark Stone, Vegas back. isn't getting in. Vegas I don't think they're getting the in. But like, you can't rule out the possibility. Like Alex is saying. I mean, we certainly would have given Montreal a less chance than we're giving Vegas right now. Dallas is a point up on Vegas for the second wild card spot with three games at hand. Here's the thing, Fair. though: do you really do you really trust Dallas? Yeah, I would trust slumped. Tyler Sagan with my life. They slumped recently, but yeah, I think Dallas has got a pretty comfortable lead. Look, but, I, know, I don't think I don't think they're going to blow it, but I'm not saying that I trust them. Yeah, you're forgetting a team that's still in the conversation. The Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> they still believe them in their 8% chance, you know, four points out of the final playoff spot with three extra games played. They've still got a chance. There's no more delusional yeah, fan base out I there. I just I cannot in my mind picture any Western Conference team other than Colorado, Calgary, or maybe Minnesota making it to the cup final. I don't see Nashville getting there. I don't see the Kings getting there. I don't see Edmonton getting there. I don't think I see St. Louis or Dallas getting there. Yeah, all of those teams have very fatal flaws. Vegas, Winnipeg, Vancouver. We have started to get our first little round of uh, eliminations recently. Montreal and Arizona have both been eliminated from playoffs. And so is Philly. Officially. Yeah, Philly's eliminated. Wait, really? Yep. Because if Philly's eliminated, that means Ottawa is also eliminated. Uh, no, I guess not. Ottawa has a game in hand and is only one point back. So I guess Ottawa has one more point before they're eliminated. As Team USA wow. goes down two nothing, I'm surprised TJ's not reacting. I mean, oh, they have to lose the game six nothing in order for there to be actual implications. Also, if Philly's out, then New Jersey is also about to be out. They also have 53 points, but a game in hand, so one more loss, and the Devils are out. So the Devils and the Senators uh, could both be out shortly. Seattle will likely be out shortly. After the- that, we probably won't see an official elimination for a little while. And this is why the NHL needs to adopt the three, two, one point system, because it makes no sense that we had to wait until 15, 16, 15 games left in the season for teams to finally start getting eliminated. Like Montreal, you've been done for months. Like I want to see some gap in those point standing. So we don't have to hear about how Montreal still has a shot. Yeah. Three, two, one, like the loser point, as much as the Panthers have benefited from it in the past, it's just a dumb, dumb system, or at least like, the same number of points given out to an overtime win, but an overtime loss, especially whatever. I I guess there's no appetite to change it, even though as fans, we all think it's dumb. And speaking of changing things, GM meetings are going on this week in our native Florida. Some interesting things have come out about it. Salary caps going up a million dollars. Real quick. I know what you mean, but Florida isn't native to at least two of us. Oh, that's true. You know, I never, I didn't really think about the word native and how it, what it actually means. Yeah. We're from our home, our home state of Florida. Yeah, that's right. But sorry, pedants. Or I, uh, we're born here or was born here. Sorry, linguists and pedants, but uh, way to just just assume I was born here, Jacob. 
I mean, it's either here or Havana. Wow. <laughs> You're wow. Cuban. That's not even a thing. You're Cuban. <laughs> my, my dad was born in Mexico in exile. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, NHL GM meetings. Which happened in our home state of, of Florida. Florida. Yes. <laughs> the salary cap is going up by a million dollars, which we kind of already knew, but you know, Florida's pretty capped out. So that's going to be an extra million dollars to work with. Might help them. Might not really help them. Who knows? But um, it, w- it would have been nice to see some growth, but they, you know, the NHL and the NHLPA are pretty determined to pay off the owed escrow. So we're really not going to see a big jump until I think they were saying 23, 24 which by then, like, basically every contract currently on the Panthers' books will be expired other than Barkov. So there's, they're not getting any real relief anytime soon. All right. Anything uh, on the salary cap from you, Jake? I can't wait to see which GMs are going to burst at the seams to sign one extra fourth liner. I don't know. It's a million bucks. It's not going to make or break most teams. Yeah, you're right. And I think that most of these contracts extensions that have been signed recently, they already kind of figured in the extra million. What's more, I am hopeful that that's opinion, indicative of greater increases to come because it was supposed to be flat for a few years. I mean, this you is know, basically flat. No, part of the, part of the, that NHLPA agreement that was signed during the pandemic was $1 million increases until the escrow was paid back. Oh, Which right. it should that be paid back after the next For some years. reason, the players owe the owners money. Well, because of the CBA, the hockey related revenue. It's fucking stupid. You're not wrong. But according to the CBA, because they had the NHL had two years where the revenue came well below projected, that escrow had to get paid. You know, all that salary went into escrow. And we also had for years the players uh, uh, increasing the salary cap as much as possible, which increased the amount of escrow money had to get put into. So a lot, like 95% of this is because of the pandemic. 5% of it is because the NHL, the players kept doing max escrow to get max uh, salary cap increases, even though the, the NHL revenue didn't support that. So, so yes, so I agree, Jacob, it's bullshit that the players are paying it back and the owners aren't eating some of it, but that's just the way the NHL PA, NHL CBA cookie crumbles. Let's talk about the playoff salary cap because this has been something that they've been talking about at these meetings that uh, has people intrigued. And I mean, as a team that lost to the Tampa Bay lightning in last year's playoffs, this is something that I think that should be implemented, you know, sour grapes or not after Uh, this season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is it really going to affect the pandemic? It should be implemented after this year's playoffs. (laughs) We're talking about a playoff salary cap. Don't forget the Panthers will be cap compliant in the, in this playoffs because of, uh, Sherratt and Giroux both being 50% retained and that money that uh, is retained on Domi, he's not playing in the playoffs. So don't worry about that. I'm not, I'm not yeah. really sure what the ins and outs of these proposals are, but I, I've I seen do. some people come out against the idea of a playoff salary cap. And I just don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you want there to be playoff salary cap? Like, do you want LTIR to be this loophole that's just open forever? I don't get it. Like why even have the salary cap then? Yeah. The, the, the prevailing proposal out there, that makes the most sense and it's better than the proposal I came up with is your 18 man roster, or I guess 20 man when you include goalies every night in the playoffs has to be cap compliant. That's simple. Any guys you have scratched or injured doesn't matter. They don't count. 
but your 20 man have to be under 82 and a half million. I think that's the cap number for this year. And I think that makes sense because you know what? It was bullshit that Tampa got to go out there with a basically $95 million uh, cap team last year at full strength. Like, no, that was bullshit. So the easy, you know, the easiest way to close that is this proposal. I mean, the proposal I had was your edit, your lineup at the end of the regular season had to be cap compliant. And that was the players you were allowed to use for the playoffs. And then if you had injuries, you could call up anyone making under a million or less, but this is essentially the same thing. It's a little cleaner. Your nightly lineup has to be cap compliant, which would mean Tampa couldn't do what they did last year. That simple. But because of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for when like things get cut dependent upon like, you know, a player plays 30% of the season. So their cap hit only applies at 30%. You know what I mean? What's the word I'm right. looking for? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. The, the ratio or whatever prorated prorated salary. Prorated, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. That but would still, still allow applies. teams to make these deals at the deadline and still add on players, even when they have like minimal salary cap space available when the season starts, but you wouldn't be able to do what Tampa did. You wouldn't be able to do what Chicago the Knights could potentially do. Yeah. I mean, people say Chicago, but that just <laughs> strikes me as Tampa fans doing blame. Do what about ism? Because like their, their move was Antoine Vermette who played like 10 minutes a game in the playoffs and did but not TJ, have any You're forgetting back. something very important. What was Antoine that? Antoine Vermette. Hold on. Actually, I need to look this up because I know this is going to be correct, but it would be more fun if I had the exact number. Uh, so I'm just going to keep talking as definitely not just a way to stall for time. Uh, let me find his playoff stats. Uh, he went 58.7% from the faceoff dot Big. in that playoff run for Chicago. Faceoffs. You know, I'm sorry that I didn't think that that was important. I, I really <laughs> no, should have I, considered And the, the reason I bring that up is because that's like why they got him. Yeah, But, but the Blackhawks traded for Vermette because of his faceoff. He just and never then played, he won the cup playing 20 play he played 20 playoff games for chicago that year but he played like 60 of his draws i he he played like 200 minutes though yeah in those 20 games no you're not you're not wrong uh, it, it, 13 we're, we're getting lost in the weeds the point was chicago was the first team to you know realize what they could do with ltir uh again another panthers link that game where uh patrick kane got hurt was against the panthers here in south florida Mm-hmm. and he was ready a week or two before the season ended and they just waited so they could fit yep. Antoine Vermette. And then Tampa took, Tampa took the, you know, the loophole that was created and drove a truck through it. And finally people woke up and said, Hey, maybe we shouldn't allow this. And Tampa was honestly the, actually the first team to say, Hey, maybe we shouldn't allow it. They I were. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that was who the Blackhawks beat in the finals. That yeah. is true. They were upset so, about it. So, I mean, look, I, I don't want to relitigate last year's playoffs. It was bullshit, but there's no sour grapes because it was allowed. And I don't blame Tampa for being smarter than everyone else and planning yep. better than everyone else. I will now never blame a GM for, for not circumventing, for weaponizing the cap within the letter of the law. And that's yep. what they did last year. Yep. It's yep. a dumb letter of the law, but I will that's never why we're fault fixing a it. GM for exploiting it. It's the same... These are the same people who came up with the AAV rules and didn't put a max year, a max term on salary. So you were getting these 18 year contracts where the last six years were for a million a year to drag these AAVs down to nothing. Like 
idiots are writing these CBA things. And that's why every time people talk about, oh, you know, hockey men and how, how dare you think you're smarter than an NHL GM, cough, cough, Ben Sherrod. It's like, that would be a fun game show hosted by Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. And, and so the, these cap recapture retroactive penalties, I mean, it's very funny, but it's bullshit at the same no time. No one paid. The only, the only one who paid the cap recapture penalty is the, the Florida Panthers. Panthers and Dale fucking Talon. Yeah, because he's just not smart enough to figure out how to avoid it. <laughs> Nobody else paid these cap recapture penalties. It was like everyone got all upset. All these, you know, they were legal when they signed them. Guess what? Everyone found a way around them except Dale Talon. And remember, the rationale was basically like, seems too complicated. Let's just have him retire. <laughs> well, he didn't want to give up the draft pick capital necessary to get rid of Bob's, uh, to get rid of Longo's well, contract. Who did, did the Canadians get rid of draft pick capital to get rid of Shea Weber's cap recapture? They, well, they did not. Well, they, they're still He's on LTIR. It, right. But they didn't, but Talon didn't want to deal with LTIR. It was too confusing for him. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And thus, uh, we once again got to the uh, Dale Talon wasn't great part of the episode. So uh, this is honestly, it's my favorite segment. Yeah, every time we have a fuck you Dale Talon moment, I I smile a bit. And we also had a fuck you to uh, whoever the GM was when they traded Dan Boyle. Let's just say it was Dale Talon and move on. (laughs) I think that was Brian Murray. It was either Brian Murray or uh, or what's his name? Mike Keenan. Oh my god! I can't believe Mike Keenan was still in the league. All right, so before we do sign off, I want to say uh, rest in peace to Eugene Melnick. You don't have to claim that he was a perfect owner or that he never did anything wrong in order to acknowledge that he did plenty of good things for Ottawa and hockey in Ottawa, and that he leaves behind a family. And you know, some people are going to have worse lives now that Melnick's gone. And uh, I hope that the senators stay in Ottawa. I, I, I've hoped for a while that they eventually found a way to get a downtown arena. And maybe that will be something that the next owner, which I think is going to be in the Melnick family still will prioritize. And who knows if Melnick uh, was going to do it himself, but um, rest in peace. I, I don't think this is a good opportunity to say anything snarky about him as an owner, but then again, like it's not objecting to that idea. Just, you know, when, when somebody dies, it's, uh, can always be a tragedy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never the time to dance on somebody's grave. There'll be, there'll be more than enough time to, you know, talk about it and whatnot after the fact, but yeah, now is not the time, but to end this podcast on a happier note, and it's another present link. Do you guys want to take some guesses on who was the GM who traded Dan Boyle? And I will give you a hint. He is currently a GM in the NHL. Former Panthers GMs who are currently GMs. Is it Poyle? No. He wasn't a Panthers GM. Like, I'm trying no. to think of who was a Panthers GM. That's GM. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I'm having he was an interim GM that. for about five months. Oh. The Panthers did a deal with him this deadline. Fletcher? Chuck fucking Fletcher. <laughs> Traded Dan Boyle <laughs> for a fifth round draft. Chuck Fletcher was moron. the GM of the Panthers at any point. Yes, for five months, December third, two thousand one to uh, May tenth, two thousand two, he took over for Bill Tory, who lasted about a year. 
Holy shit. Amazing. All right. We're seriously running close to our uh, a lot of yeah. time. We're, we're a lot running of time out of patience minutes. for yeah. the listeners. Oh. So uh, rate us five stars on Dat Piff. <laughs> I don't even. Okay, you're going to have to explain what Dat is. <laughs> isn't, isn't that like where they put the mixtapes? Yes. Sure. And that'll Good that'll one. do it. There's there's nothing else to say. We've exhausted all the all the possible things to say. Everybody, uh, wish the listeners a good evening or a good morning or whatever. I don't know. Say sorry, something. you had to listen to ninety minutes. Hope you're listening at two x speed. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good Go night. Panthers. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.